close out the year, I want to close out this year, talking about the Holy Spirit. Now, we've been talking throughout this month about God being ascending God, and the last thing I want to talk about this year is that He sent His Spirit, His Holy Spirit. Now, sometimes I think we, we get a little curious about how God does things, and when we start talking about the Holy Spirit, it gets a little... Uh, curious sometimes, but I want us to go through the Bible, what the Bible says in the New Testament about how God works through, you know, through in and through us, the Holy Spirit. So let's, um, let's jump on this. First of all, the Bible says that the Holy Spirit regenerates and renews the believer. When you ask Jesus Christ to come into your life, when you surrender your life to Christ, God, by His Holy Spirit, regenerates. That means He brings you to life, and then He renews you. He makes you a new person. Second uh, Corinthians 5.17 talks us about us being new creation in Christ. That's what's new. So this coming new, new year, what's new with you? Is it, is it that your life has been changed by Christ? How can you tell that that's happening? Well, the Bible gives us clear indication about that. Jesus was talking to Nicodemus, who was a, a Pharisee, he was a man who was committed to teaching the law of God, the Word of God, but he didn't understand it. Jesus answered and said to Nicodemus, Truly, truly, I say to you, unless one is born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. Nicodemus said to him, How can a man be born when he is old? He cannot enter a second time into his mother's womb and be born, can he? And Jesus answered, listen to this, Truly, truly, I say to you, unless one is born of water, and the Spirit, he cannot enter the kingdom of God. You must be born of water. Now, in case you're wondering, if you ever want to know what that means, just hold on. Just keep reading. Don't stop and wonder. Just keep reading. The explanation is later in that chapter. And it means you're born physically. You're born physically. Now, I know uh, many of you ladies have gone into labor in places you wish you weren't. And your water broke, and you said, oh, no, because you can't back out now. And that's the way it is. Well, that's, that water, I think, is what this is talking Some people say it's talking about baptism. I go, oh, no, it's talking about being born physically. Anyway, everybody agrees, as far as I know, being born of the Spirit is the requirement. Now, everybody's been born physically last time we checked spiritually have you been born again have you been born spiritually you must be born of the spirit you must be born of the spirit in order to enter the kingdom of God and so you can't go to heaven and you can't have heaven now if you haven't been born spiritually so you've been born physically but not spiritually Titus says he saved us not on the basis of deeds which we have done in righteousness but according to his mercy by the washing of regeneration and renewing by the Holy Spirit. The washing of regeneration is a spiritual washing that cleanses us. So how does that happen? By the Holy Spirit. By God, the Holy Spirit, He washes us clean. Now He does that just like that. Maybe faster. When you surrender to Christ, you're immediately washed. So, well, Pastor, I don't feel like I've been washed. I didn't ask you how you felt. I'm telling you, the Word of God teaches us very clearly that you're justified the moment you receive Christ. 
You're washed. You're ready to go to heaven. So when I don't feel ready, I don't seem like I'm ready. Well, there's something that you understand by, by the time we get out of here about how the Holy Spirit works in your life that will help you out. And that's why I'm here. I'm here to help you out. And the renewing by the Holy Spirit is such a joyful thing. If you're being renewed, that means you're not finished yet. We all need a little name tag. Says, be, please be patient with me. God is not finished yet. And please be that way with me as well. We'll, we'll get along just fine. Holy Spirit indwells the believer, the Bible says in Romans chapter 8. However, you are not in the flesh, but in the Spirit. If indeed the Spirit of God dwells in you, but if anyone does not have the Spirit of Christ, he does not belong to him. If Christ is in you, though the body is dead because of sin, yet the Spirit is alive because of righteousness. So, if you are in Christ, the Holy Spirit lives inside of you. By His Spirit, He dwells in you. I don't have any idea how that works. I just like it. You know, it's like electricity. I don't know how it works. I just flip the switch. And if, if you go around life thinking, I don't know how this works. I don't understand this. I'm not going to believe it because I don't understand it. That's like sitting in the dark when the electricity is on. You, you haven't flipped the switch. You sit in the dark. So I don't understand it. I'm not going to turn the switch on because I don't understand light. I don't understand electricity. You really don't understand just turn the switch on and enjoy it. And remember, when it comes to the spiritual life in Christ, just relax. Step back and enjoy that God indwells you by His Spirit. And the evidence is, is, the, is the greatest thing about it. And that's what we're, we're moving towards. And also says in 1 Corinthians 3 and 1 Corinthians 6, do you not know that you're a temple of God and the Spirit of God dwells in you. Now, I've met people before, you know, maybe just six months ago you surrendered your life to Christ. You prayed and asked Jesus to come into your life. You said, I don't know much about what's going on. But did you know that you're a temple of God? A temple of God. That is, the, you're where God lives. Inside of you. So, well, where? You know, one little girl, I told you maybe this story before. I, I don't ever remember where I told stories before, but a little girl was told she, she needed to ask Jesus into her heart, and she said, if I do, won't he stick out? <clears throat> yeah, he will stick out. He'll, he'll show in your life. She was thinking concretely, and, and so we kind of have to move forward with that. Or do you not know that your body is a temple of the Holy Spirit who is in you, whom you have from God, and that you are not your own? The Spirit of God, the Holy Spirit bought you, owns you, you belong to Him. This is a good thing. This is the best thing, to belong to God, to have His Holy Spirit reside in you, to strengthen you, empower you, and to do whatever we're going to talk about. Because I'm just running down the line, and I hope I get to the finish line before you do. He seals the believer. This is so wonderful. Look what this says. Ephesians chapter 1, verses 13 to 14. In Him, that is in Christ... After listening to the message of truth, uh, the gospel of your salvation, having also believed, you were sealed in him with the Holy Spirit of promise, who was given as a pledge of our inheritance with a view to the redemption of God's own possession to the praise of his glory. Now back up the truck a minute. What did I just say? What did the Bible just tell us? Let's look at it. You're listening to the message of truth. 
Now that happened to me. I was sitting in the Charlotte Coliseum when I was 16 years old, way up at the top, watching everybody, making sure, you know, nobody would get me. Because I didn't go to church much at all, if just very little. And then I didn't understand things. And God started preaching the truth from God's Word about how to know Christ. And I listened to the message of truth. And I heard about the gospel, how I could be saved from my sins could be forgiven. I could be saved and regenerated and renewed like we've talked about. He was talking about that. And I thought, oh, that's, that's what I need. And I believed. This happened to you. And I believed. I believed in Jesus. I placed my trust in him. And in that moment, I was sealed by the Holy Spirit of promise. Sealed. Now, I want you to know something. My grandmother, I, I grew up with my grandmother. Uh, we, well, we all moved it into her house, and she led us. And it was a bunch of us, and five kids, and my stepfather, and my mother, and my grandmother. And uh, she lived alone until we showed up. And so we grew up, and once in a while, she would um, have a jar that she needed opened. And, you know, a teenage boy is like, oh, I can do that. Because they can do anything. And so, you know, let me, let me open that for you. And once in a while... Uh, and well, every time I would open it for her, she'd say, well, I loosened it for you. <laughs> she'd bang it with a, a, a knife or she'd do something. She'd try to get it open. But I want you to know, when the devil shows up at your house to open you up and tear you apart, and you're sealed by the Holy Spirit of God, there's not a hand in the world that can open that seal. You're sealed so securely when God has his hand on you, or maybe better yet, when you're in the hands of God, nobody can pry his fingers open. Not the devil, not the world, and the, and the greatest enemy you'll ever face is in the mirror. There's no reflection on you. Well, it is a reflection on you. It's the greatest enemy you'll face is in the mirror, but you can't pry his hand open either. So, well, Pastor, what are you saying? I know people say, well, I can, I can believe in and I can believe myself out. Oh, no, you can't. Once you receive Christ, believe in him, place your trust. Sealed. You belong to him. You'll never be the same. You can't get out and you never want to. If you want to, you never were. I said, if you want to, you never were. People say, well, I used to be a Christian, but now I'm a Jehovah's Witness. No, you're not. Never were a Christian. So once you find Jesus, once Jesus comes to live inside of you by His Spirit, once you know it, you never need anybody else or anything else. You don't need to be a Mormon. You don't need to be a Jehovah's Witness. As I won't keep going down the line, but I just want you to know, the devil can't steal you. You belong to God. And that's good stuff. Ephesians 4.30, do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God by whom you were sealed for the day of redemption. The seal can't be opened. Sealed to the day of redemption. And it says, do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God. Now, this is the way it works. You belong to God. You're His. Grieve is a love word. When someone passes away, that deep pain that you feel, that that sorrow that you have, the more, the, the deeper you love, the more hurt it is, more sorrow you have. God loves you so much. He says, do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God. When you sin against God, because actually, when you sin against God, it doesn't affect God as far as changing who He is. He's the same all the time. He always loves you. But 
that natural reaction that we see with God is grief because he knows what you're doing is hurting you. You ever love somebody so much you said, I just want, they're ruining their lives and I can't stop the train wreck. That's the way God looks at you sometimes. When you're going your own way, you're ignoring God and he says, I love you. Do not grieve the Spirit of God. Because you can't get away from God. You're sealed. He, he indwells you. He's renewed you. He's regenerated you. He's, we're just looking at what the Bible says the Holy Spirit does. The Bible says He fills the believer. What is that talking about? And, and Acts chapter 2 says, And they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak with other languages or other tongues as the Spirit was giving them utterance. We've been studying about spiritual gifts on Wednesday nights and uh, talking about this subject, even about the filling of the Holy Spirit, how God by His Spirit, what does it mean He fills you? This is the way it works, best I can determine from God's Word. This Word means to be controlled. Uh, I'll give you an example because the Bible gives the example. Ephesians 5.18, Do not get drunk with wine, for that is dissipation or that recklessness, but be filled with the Spirit. Unfortunately, I've had opportunities to... to to know and, 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 uh, and see people who are uh, inebriated. And if you're left-handed, drunk. That's the same thing. That's the way it works. And if you notice, when someone drinks to excess, what happens is they become controlled by alcohol. And they're reckless. When you're controlled by the Holy Spirit, do you know what happens? the opposite. You're not reckless. You're orderly. You're in your right mind. You're clear thinking. You're obedient to God. You're controlled by the Holy Spirit. If you're controlled by the Holy Spirit, you're not reckless. I know there's some people saying, oh, the Holy Spirit just moved all over the place. People started rolling in the floor and started doing all that. Well, I'm not one to roll on the floor myself, but I'm telling you, I kind of think what the Bible says about how God does things in His church is decent and in order is what He says. What I'm telling you. I'll tell you what I'll tell you. If you want to roll in the floor, that's your business. If you, I'm not going to pick on anybody that does that. Just make sure when you walk out of these doors, you walk with God. That you love people like Jesus loved them. You know, I, I like to, I like to hear people shout and raise their hands and say amen. I I like that. I'm not that. I, you, if you see me doing that, I really am going at it. But I'm just not that kind of person. I won't be that kind of person for anybody else either. I'm just me. But I'll tell you what, the mark of the filled believer, the Holy Spirit filling, is obedience to God. That means you love God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength, and your neighbor as yourself. And you won't be pulling anybody down and you won't be criticizing and complaining about all these things in other people's lives and your own life is the same way. You won't be that way. You'll be like Christ. And Christ didn't mince any words at times. He tells people the truth whether they want to hear it or not. But he tells them in love. In love. You can say a lot of things to people if they know you love them. You know, the closer you are to somebody, the more you love somebody, you can tell them almost anything because they know that you love them. So my, my, uh, my goal is this, in this next new year is, because, you know, I'm new, I haven't been here long, is that I can earn the right to tell you whatever I need to tell you. And you'll know that I love you, but I'm just going to tell it like it is. And I want you to just say, I, 
I don't know him that well. well. I want you to know I love you. And if I love you, I'll tell you the truth. And I, and I don't have anything to make up. I just go with what the Bible says. I look at what the Bible says and just let it go. And if it goes, I'm not going to say anything to apologize for it. So anyway, so we're in for some fun. Uh, I might be just as surprised as you are when I get to preaching sometimes. And, and uh, my, my wife and I have been talking about this recently. I, I'm, I'm working on becoming comfortable here. You know, it's, it's hard when you start out and when you, you don't know everybody because it's also hard when you do know everybody and you look around and say, I can't look over there, can't look over there. That's, 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 if you're preaching on a subject and say, well, you know, I know they've you know, got, you know, I can't look over there. So I just kind of look at the ceiling. But, but it's hard to get to know people. But I want you to know, that relax. Everything's going to be fine. And we're going to start a series in the book of Hebrews that is just going to be wonderful. We're going to have a tremendous time. And I want you to enjoy it. I want you to learn from it. I want you to grow in Christ. I want to see God working. Anyway, I interrupted my own sermon. Yeah. He liberates the believer. Amen to that. We need that. For the law of the spirit of life in Christ has set you free from the law of sin and death. You've been free. What would happen if you were in prison? Say there's a war going on. You don't even have to say there's always a war going on. There always has been. War going on. You're a prisoner of war. Somebody comes up and they, they say, you know, the war is over. And they unlock the, 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 the cell and say, you can, you're free. You can get out. And you say, well, I don't know about that. I don't know if I can trust you saying that. I'm just going to stay right here. The law of sin and death has got you bound. The door has been opened. Christ has opened the door for you to be set free. Get out of there. Get out. Come on. Let's live. So no, I don't know. I don't know about that. I'm not that religious. <laughs> wow. Wow. So you think this is religious. Do you think that God by his spirit moving inside of you to empower and strengthen you to save you to seal you is just some kind of religious thing? Wow. Wow. But you don't you're not free. You're bound. There are people who are in prison who've received Christ who they were serving a life sentence more free than we are. Sometimes as we walk around like act like we're bound, we're not bound anymore. You're free in Christ to, to walk with Jesus. Don't ever tell me you can't help it. You probably will. You know, Pastor, I've got this problem. I just can't get over it. I just can't seem to defeat this in my life. I just can't help it. Remember these words now. You can help it. When you tell me you can't help it, I'm going to look at you. God helps you help it. For I say, walk by the Spirit and you will not carry out the desire of the flesh. That is, trying to always satisfy your feelings and what you want and what you think you need and what you, you don't even know. Only God knows what you really need. And if you walk by the Spirit, that is, if you will surrender each day your life, say, Jesus, I'm surrendering everything to you today by your Holy Spirit. Walk through me today. Every day, just tell him that's what you want. Jesus, every minute. Sometimes uh, we need every second. <laughs> you know, sometimes you get in situations and say, Lord, help me every second. He will free you up to obey him. Nothing can stop you. The only person that can make you disobey God is you. The devil can't do it. 
Your neighbor can't do it. Your co-worker can't do it. Your mama can't do it. Only you can make you disobey God. If you get a hold of that, that'll help you. He guides believers. This is Jesus in the upper room with the disciples. He said, but when he, the spirit of truth comes, he will guide you into all truth. For he will not speak on his own initiative, but whatever he hears, he will speak, and he will disclose it to you, disclose to you what is to come. Now he's talking to the disciples in the upper room, and he's trying to get them to understand that he's going to leave. He's told them like three or four times, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, to uh, be arrested, I'm going to be killed, and I'm going to, you know, and they're like, I wonder what he's talking about. That's what happened. And uh, the Gospel of Luke explains to us that God kind of hid that from them till certain till Jesus resurrection so I, that helped me out but anyway he's talking to them he's saying the holy spirit now i can't see the holy spirit but you say you're one of the disciples i can see jesus he's sitting right there but i can't see the spirit i can't see the holy spirit jesus talked about that he said a person that's born again born of the spirit literally born from above is like is like the wind I've asked kids before, because, you know, I like uh, children. Boy, I don't want to fill this place up with a bunch of kids. I want to see a whole bunch of children. I do want some supervision. But kids everywhere, just, just kids everywhere, the next generation to serve Jesus. I want to see that. But I talk to kids, I say, do you see the wind? They say, yeah. So what does it look like? And they'll start explaining how, well, you know, the, 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 the leaves and the trees, and the, you can see the wind. You don't see the wind. I don't play too much with the, the, you know, with the little kids, but when they get a little bit older, I like to play a little bit with them. I say, you can't see the wind. See, yeah, I saw the, the wind, saw the wind blow the leaves. I said, you saw the leaves move, but you didn't see the wind. But you knew it was the wind. And they look at you like you're crazy. Say, well, it is the wind. I know. You can't see the Spirit of God, but you can see when He moves in your life. When he moves you away from the things that are destroying your life, you say, that's the Holy Spirit of God has moved me out of a sinful lifestyle. The Holy Spirit of God has moved me from being a bitter person that can't forgive to a person who forgives. That's amazing. That's a miracle. That's, a, that's the greatest miracle. If you could line up all the miracles in the Bible, all of the physical, natural, look at, you know, you got the natural laws being uh, uh, what am I trying to say? When you see a man walking on the water, that's not natural. All the natural laws are suspended, a man's walking on the water. That's amazing. See the Red Sea split. You see, you line them all up. I'll tell you one. The greatest I've ever seen. A changed life. So that man is not the same. That woman is not the same. That teenager is not the same. That kid's not the same. Something happened. No, better say someone happened. Someone happened. The Holy Spirit teaches the believer. Now we've received not the Spirit of the world, but the Spirit who is from God, so that we may know things freely given to us by God, which things we also speak, not in words taught by human wisdom, but in those taught by the Spirit, combining spiritual thoughts with spiritual words. The Holy Spirit will guide you through His Word, the Word of God, to show you what you need to know. We do it week by week by week. You do it day by day by day. And you learn what God wants to say to you. You want God to shout to you and say something to you. Open up the Bible. But a natural man does not accept the things of the Spirit of God. For they are foolishness to him. You know anybody who doesn't want to read the Bible. Doesn't care anything about the Bible. 
uh, maybe a natural man. That is, a lost man in the state of sinfulness and he just in rebellion against God. He can be the nicest neighbor you have, the most polite uh, neighbor you have, and be in rebellion against God. Rebellion against God is not always uh, what we think it is. Sometimes it's, sometimes it's a regular churchgoer. Somebody who's always in church, every Sunday in church, wouldn't miss it. The doors are open. If you come by the week, the door's unlocked, they'll walk in. Because they're always here. But if they're in rebellion against God, they're like a natural man who does not accept the things of the Spirit of God for their foolishness to Him. We cannot understand them because they're spiritually appraised. Not able to appraise things spiritually is what the natural man, but he who is spiritual appraises all things, yet he himself is appraised by no one. Uh, you only answer to God. God has put people over you in your life, and yes, and there's authority and all that stuff, but you're answering to God, not anybody in the world. For who has known this, the mind of the Lord, that he will instruct him? But we have the mind of Christ. We have the mind of Christ. From the beginning, by his Spirit, he helps you understand things. You get the mind of Christ. So, oh, Pastor, if I only had the mind of Christ... We've gone through all these things. Talked about what the Holy Spirit does in your life, and you're going to say you don't know. He anoints the believer. When you say the word anoint, you get open up a lot of things in people's minds. Anoint. The Spirit of the Lord is upon me because He anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim release to the captives and recovery of sight to the blind to set free those who are oppressed. To proclaim the favorable year of the Lord. Jesus quoted this. It's from Isaiah. And he stopped in mid-sentence. Or in mid-paragraph maybe. There's the latter part of that. He stopped and they rolled up the scroll. And he began to comment. To proclaim the favorable year of the Lord. The last part of that is the second coming. And the judgment of God. He stopped because right now. It's not time for the judgment of God to fall. It's time for the favor of the Lord. Every person, every man, woman, boy, and girl can know Christ. Every man, woman, boy, and girl can have the Holy Spirit living inside of him or her so that they can walk with Jesus until he comes. Every one of them. Every person you'll meet is a potential follower of Christ. So sometimes the ones that act, act the worst are the closest to the kingdom. They're just acting out because they know that they're next. They, oh, God's all over them. The guy that says, Pastor, I agree with everything you're saying. I'm just not ready right now. Those are the ones that scare me. The guy that says, I don't believe a thing you're saying. You get out of my face. I said, you're close. I hit something, didn't I? Yep, you're close. I can tell you, you think you're an atheist? <laughs> right. Have you, have you opened your eyes today? You're not an atheist. You're running from God. You're running from God. The favorable year of the Lord is now. I'm proclaiming it right now. 2024 is a favorable year of the Lord. Not so you can get a, all, all kinds of material things. People tell you that. This is your year. What? Come on. It's the year of the Lord. Not your year. It's God's year. Every year. Till Jesus returns is a favorable year of the Lord. As for you, the, the anointing which you have received from him abides in you, and you have no need for anyone to teach you, but as his anointing teaches you about all things, and is true and is not a lie, and just as it has taught you, you abide in him. So, Pastor, what are you doing up there? They don't need any teachers. <laughs> well, God gave us teachers. God gave us people to teach. Yes. So what is he saying? 
A man stands up to preach the Word of God, and he doesn't get it right. The Holy Spirit, the anointing of God's Spirit as a believer in Christ, you say, something's not right with that. And you'll go to the Word of God, and you'll open it up and say, this is what the Word of God says, you're wrong. Nobody can teach you beyond what God will teach you. Nobody should ever teach you anything contrary to what God will teach you. That's what he's talking about. You have that. Even in another language. Even in another place. You don't speak the language. I've been where I've worshipped with people that didn't speak my language. and We were in tune. We were in tune. We called them the interrupters. The interpreters is the way you're supposed to say it. I'd preach a little bit and he'd say a little bit. I'd preach a little bit and he'd say a little bit. And the people were in tune. They said, yes, that's the word of God. Yes, I know that. I know that. I mean, you have the anointing of God. That's what the anointing of God is. And this is printed for you. Right here. It's printed for you. It's by the Bible. Printed for you. I know it's thick. I know it's got a lot in there. I know it's going to take a while. Your lifetime. Go to this book. Find the answers for what God wants to say to you. This coming year, make this the book. Make this what God would use for you to understand. And I'll do my dead level best to preach it like it is, teach it like it is, and have a great time doing it. And we'll learn a lot of things together, and we'll find out some things maybe we didn't want to know, but God will have to fix in our lives. We'll do it. We'll do it together. Now, I want to invite you to surrender your life to Christ if you never have. It happens. Sometimes you're sitting there thinking, I don't know if that's me. I don't know if I've ever actually surrendered my life to Christ. I've heard about it all my life. Maybe been in church all my life. I don't know. That wasn't the way I was. But And if I do that right now, everybody's going to think something's wrong with me. Let me ask you this. Would you risk eternity for what people think about you? Not me. Forget that. That's not going to happen. If you're sitting here and you need Christ today, surrender your life to Christ, no matter what everybody might think, whatever you think they might think. I, I kind of got the feeling this group right here would be rejoicing and be happy. Yes! Come to Christ and receive Him as Lord of your life. And we're getting ready to partake of the Lord's Supper. And this, this particular time is a time of reflection, a time of uh, retrospection. You look in your life and say, what is going on in my life? Lord Jesus Today, I use this opportunity to reflect on your death so that I can be reminded of the sacrifice you made for me so that I can have eternal life. And from, from now and until you return, I want to walk with you. I want to live for you. Every time we have the Lord's Supper, that's what we think about. I want to read to you before I ask the deacons to come up. It's interesting that the most uh, detailed explanation of what the Lord's Supper is about is in 1 Corinthians. If I ask you to find it, would you find it? It's in 1 Corinthians in chapter 11. For I received from the Lord that which I also delivered to you, that the Lord Jesus in the night in which he was betrayed took bread, and when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, This is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same way, he took the cup also after supper, saying, This cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. 
For as often as you eat this bread and drink the cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. And here's the invitation part. Therefore, whoever eats the bread or drinks the cup of the Lord in an unworthy manner shall be guilty of the body and blood of the Lord. But a man must examine himself, and in so doing he is to eat of the bread and drink of the cup. For he who eats and drinks, eats and drinks judgment to himself, if he does not judge the body rightly. For this reason, many among you are sick, and a, and a number sleep, that is, they're dead. But if we judged others, if we judged ourselves rightly, we would not be judged. But when we are judged, we are disciplined by the Lord, so that we will not be condemned along with the world. So then, my brethren, when you come together to eat, wait for one another. If anyone is hungry, let him eat at home, so that you will not come together for judgment. The remaining matters I will arrange when I come. I'll tell you just a little bit about the setting of the Lord's Supper in 1 Corinthians when he's talking about that. They used used to come together for a big meal. And they come together to eat. And it was a big deal. A love feast is what has been called. Now the people who were a little better off financially would show up early and bring the good food. And by the time the poorer people showed up, the, the better food had already been eaten. That's what he's talking about. And when he's talking about some other things, sometimes they got drunk before they had the Lord's Supper. And you're going, what in the world's going on? Well, they got this big dinner, and they drink too much, and then there they are, and they're drunk, and the poor people show up, and they don't have as much to eat, and they're not sharing, and they're not getting along like they ought to. And he's saying, look, God's going to judge you. See, God disciplines his children, and he's good at it. And sometimes that discipline moves you all the way to your coffin, if that's what it takes. If you're not going to be any good here, he's going to say, well, I'm just going to take you home. And that's what was going on there. I don't think that's what's going on here. I just wanted to give you the background of what is going on here. It's what's going on in your life, what's going on in your mind and your heart. Take this time not to feel condemned about it, but to get right with God. And just take this time of reflection to do that. As we pray together, if you haven't received Christ into your life, I invite you to do that. Let's pray together. Lord, we're grateful for the time that we can come together, where we can reflect on what we need to to know about our own hearts. Lord, we don't even know a lot of things you need to point out. And today you pointed out some things, and we bring these things before you. I ask you, Lord, to cleanse us from these things, move us away from the things that would harm us, and help us, Lord, to be people who love and walk with you. If someone is here today who has not yet surrendered to Christ, Lord, I pray that they would just cry out to you and say, Jesus, I believe that you died on the cross to pay for my sins. Jesus, I believe that you rose from the dead, that I could be made right with God. So I invite you, Jesus, to come into my life and take over every aspect of my life And just like your word teaches, seal me with your spirit. Fill me with your spirit. And guide me and liberate me and free me by your spirit today that I might walk with you until you return or take me home to be with you. So Lord, I thank you for those who are making their commitment to you today. And we pray today that you would cleanse us from the things that need to come out of our lives as we reflect on what you've done for us, proclaiming your death until you return. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen.